0: welcome along to where's my sports at with today we're joined with brad Carr from the fielding yellows is nearing on 400 games brad thanks for joining us mate much appreciated no problem man always a pleasure i've got about 10 questions maybe a little bit more but we'll chew the fat as they say with the rugby the first one brad as you're approaching 400 club games what continues to motivate you to play for the fielding yellows
1: yeah i think like for me, the history of the club, I think we're 100 years old now. And I, I always think like a motivation for me, every time I take the field, is um, and, and doing the jersey proud. Yeah, we've got the silver fern on our emblem. It's quite a big motivation as well. Like it's probably the closest thing to an all-black jersey some of us will ever get. But it's something and just the pride in the history of the club motivates me to just get out there and, and make a difference and yeah, be a part of that history. I think it's been a huge motivation, and that's why I'm still playing. Awesome, mate. Because you're 42 years young, is that right?
0: Right, mate? 42 now. Yeah, well, I'll be 43 next year. Nice, mate. I love it. Because you've been playing for the Fielding Yellow since you were 17. So. Yep. Remarkable feat. Remarkable feat. Reflecting on you coming towards like 400 games, can you share like what's been your most standout moment so far of your career or standout moment?
1: Yeah, there's a couple. Like the first one earlier on was actually, it was for two. I think about 2001 or well, year 2000, we went out to Linton Army Camp and the All Blacks were doing a, a training run out there. And they asked us to come and be opposition and uh, we had tackle suits and all that. On the thing on, we're just battering rounds, really, but it actually turned into like a proper game and yeah, like I had the honor and the pleasure of marking Jonah Lomu oh. uh, and yeah, as a young fella, like he was in his prime and I was just a skinny little white boy. I <laughs> managed to tackle him three times, whether he was going easy, whatever, but I'll take that. Matt. yeah. That, that was one of the earliest ones and then there was, the, I think the other one will be winning the the local competition down here it's for the Hank and Shield, which is, I think, one of the oldest rugby trophies played for in Zealand. I think it dates back to, I think it's about 1896. So once again, yeah, with the history and stuff that comes with that, yeah, we managed to win it three years in a row and that was nineteen twenty and 21.
0: And was that the first time that you That fielding had won that trophy, or is
1: that no? so we actually, we were the first winners way back in 1896, and I think we've won it probably 12, maybe 15 times since then. But yeah, it had been a bit of a drought, so the last time we won it was 1986, 30-something years in between drinks. Mate, that's awesome, and you've bought it up when you're in your prime. Yeah, look, some players never get to win it, so I thought, because oh, I'd already been around for a while and I conceded the fact that I was probably never going to win it. But yeah, the coaches we had at the time were real good guys. They got a good bunch of people and they stuck around. And Mate, to win one special, but to win three in a row. First one was more like a relief, like finally we've done it. And it was kind a weird feeling, eh? But the second one I thought, yeah, definitely enjoyed more. And then, yeah, the third one was just... Yeah, icing on the cake. Everyone was coming for you, so you had to make sure there that you dotted it off. Yeah, that's well, it's, yeah, it. Yeah, it created a whole different pressure and everything. Like it was, yeah, we went, I think, the whole season unbeaten and one of them. Oh, and Bates, all three finals we played against the Massey University team, Varsity, down here. Yeah. And every game literally came down to the last play and there was no more than two points. In the game, like yeah, they had three opportunities in three different years, and yeah, they blew it. And yeah, we just managed to hold on.
0: Man, mate, man, that's something there to take with you right, right to the end, isn't it? That's those sort of memories. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Now you're you're nearing those four hundred games, and over that journey, like you would have seen a lot of change in rugby, Jeff. Find you that the game has evolved or become better, or do you find the game,
1: the rules have changed too much? Like, what's your take on it? So yeah, like I guess I'm lucky, or I think I am, because these young guys now they have no idea what rugby was like back then. When you're we could and like even fighting, like you could have a bit of a punch up or whatever, and it was all just oh come on, guys, settle down, play on, sort of thing. But yeah, the games definitely changed. Probably for the better because it's more like it's designed now for the spec. But I guess like as a player having to evolve with it is is good as well because you don't you know you can become a bit stale. Like there was a there was a period there where it was just same old for a bit, and then they bring in a new law, so then you've got to adapt it and then like train it, and so it, it keeps you fresh. It's, yeah, but I think at the moment, yeah, it's probably heading backwards. or some of the laws becoming too the same, isn't it? Yeah, like, this is just my opinion and I think, yeah, the scrums and that, like the stoppage talk, like you watch all classic games on TV from what like, even the early nineties, like it was actually ball and play a lot and they didn't muck around in the scrums or the lineup. Like a ball was in play for way longer than it is now. Yeah. And the, but, the body shapes too,
0: isn't it?
1: The, yeah. So everyone's, I find, yeah, people probably, it, it's not as hard now. Like, I guess when I first started playing senior rugby, I was playing against guys way older than myself, so guys in their 30s. And they were hard, rugged men, whereas now, like, I'm, I'm the oldest, and then everyone else is, like, mid-20s. Yeah. And they don't know what it's like to be rucked and stuff like that. But yeah, they may be stronger and fitter, because obviously the game's way faster. Yeah, I think. Back then, they were definitely harder, hard men. Yeah. They used to, they knew how to fight, didn't they? <laughs> oh, mean, yeah, mate. Like sneaky little, you could be in the ruck and someone starts pulling your bloody hair or your, you, know, I've, I've been eye guards or I've been hooked. Yeah. You don't see any of that. Uh, they're all mates. And if someone does something good or something, like some of my teammates will praise them. I'm like, no, nah, they're the opposition, mate. You don't do that. And what's been your biggest challenge over this time as
0: well, Brad, like oh, you've you've overcome many injuries and things like
1: I that? Yeah, I'd say I'll be quite fortunate actually. Like I had a few concussions earlier on, but that was probably just the nature of the game at the time, oh. you know, it was mostly like my head hitting the ground and accidental knees in the head and the rucks and stuff like that at the back. You try not to get involved in that kind of thing, mate. You either know, score's a trial, make sure you score it or we'll pass it. Yeah. So yeah, injury wise, I think the worst thing I ever did was my hamstring about ten years ago and that kept me out for about seven weeks, And that's and it.
0: Like On concussions, have yep. you
1: noticed over
0: the years that the protocols have changed and the big difference between what was happening back in ninety nine yep. and what's happening today? How have yep. you found oh, that?
1: Definitely. So yeah, back then yeah, you could probably relate. But you get up, you're probably knocked out. I'm not as well you're yeah, knocked out, and then you get up and you're stumbling around and teammates sort of usher you back to your position and the the physio or whatever will come on and squirt you with water, mate, and carry on, and then next thing your game's over and you don't even know what's going on. Like, that's the worst case scenario, but, like, I guess everyone goes through it where you're probably, at the time, from adrenaline and everything like that, unless you're Clear cut, knocked out, and you may get a knock and not even know you can cuss till a couple of days later. But I think, yeah, the protocol now, like, especially with the referees, like, and I think it's New Zealand wide, they have the blue card. So, yeah, if the referee suspects that you've had a head knock or whatever, you have to go off and be. And I think it's just awareness around everything in general uh, that what's happened to people in the past, their yeah. long term effects. Yeah, and reading about like what's happened to. Like, Carl Can't Haymer, it. like, yeah, exactly. Scary,
0: eh? Very yeah, scary. It
1: is, it, yeah, and it makes you think it, could, it can happen to anyone, to be honest. Yeah, and it does yeah, well in the back of your mind, but yeah, we um, go out there worrying about getting injured, then you know, you probably shouldn't be blamed. That's, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's but, the one, you know,
1: yeah, you hold back, you hold yourself back, and I'm not that type of
0: person. And with influential figures for you, mate, like. Who's
1: been the most influential person in your career? A few of the coaches though, like there's a guy, Bubbles, Terry Cleary down here. He played for Manor 2. He was in the great Manor 2, and Shield era, sort of the eighties. He was my coach growing up through the grades. And I always like, I knew he played for Fielding Yellows and stuff like that. the And then like, yeah, he coached me right through to senior A's and Yeah, he was quite a big influence early on. A player, like even though he's younger, old Aaron Smith, Nugget. Yeah, his mum, she was my teacher at school and I used to see him quite a bit running around and he just loved rugby. And I would always um, kick the ball around with him and stuff like that. He'd come down and watch us when he was still at school. Our fathers played in the same Prezzy's team. And then, yeah, so I, I had a feeling he'd go a long way because he just loved rugby more than everyone else around us. But like he was always just out there doing something. And then, yeah, as he became professional, like, yeah, he just motivated me in a way just to keep going. He's always been quite particular, isn't he, old
0: Darren Smith? Yeah. It? with you notice it like with his passing drills and things
1: like that that must have been pretty cool man to be part of that yeah So saying like i used to go up to his old man's house who sadly passed away earlier in the year and yeah he'd make his he'd make aaron go out there and just do 50 passes hitting the rubbish yeah just on the money and if he missed one then he'd start again there's just a little bit of pressure on him but not so much because aaron he, he loves it he just did yeah. Always had a ball in his hand, but probably always thinking about rugby. And yeah, I guess it's not a result they've shown what it does. Yeah, you don't get to a hundred tests by by chance. Yeah. That's, it. <laughs> That's it.
0: So with with the balancing act that you've got to do, Brad, with managing your physical demands of rugby and then outside of sport, like how have you managed that over your career, like with work, life, family, rugby, getting to these games, like, you would have had some sore weekends, I'd imagine. Yeah, mate,
1: a lot. (laughs) Yeah, my wife, Wendy, she, yeah, she's about over a day because, like, every Sunday, well, especially during rugby season, and, yeah, i just do nothing, like, that's my recovery time, like, I'll just lie on the couch and spend like the yeah, sort of monday sunday monday just doing nothing just letting the body recover i'll have, object, I'll have hot baths and stuff like that nothing special though like it become a routine and it seemed to work so i just stuck at it and yeah i know if something's really sore like i've been old mate she's always got sore legs and i didn't know i had that muscle that's sore and shoulders and stuff like that but it I guess, in a way, my body also became used to it, and like I knew what it took mentally, especially starting a preseason. season you always saw just for running around and stuff like that, and then, yeah, I think the body just got used to it, and then, yeah, I just switch into rug- rugby mode, and pre-season kicks off, and everything seems to be all right.
0: Nice, mate. So no no ice baths, it's all hot baths. That's
1: good. Cool. Yeah, like, yeah, just so I just soak in a hot bath for half an hour or something. But that's worst case scenario if I know something's really sore. Otherwise, I'll just have a hot shower or something I'm on the Sunday and, and the Monday. And then usually, cheese, I'm ready to go.
0: Mate, that's legend. No wonder why you're a legend at the club, eh? Just like, to <laughs> recover like that. It's just like, yeah, cheap.
1: No, it's, yeah. I don't know why or how, but it seems to work, eh? So I just keep doing it. Like if be, yeah, mate. I, obviously, if I got niggles, like a ice it or something, but yeah. that's yeah, worst case scenario, ice and deep heat. Eh? <laughs> yeah, mate. Oh, so that's one thing oh, I can every Saturday. Like I'm pretty much the only one that uses it. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm like, lever up the whole body, right? Like legs, bloody shoulders, ribs, everything. Do they do they give you like a, a drum of it? Do they go here, you go Brad? That nah, well, <laughs> they know, like, because it's always on the physio table. Yeah. And if I can't find it, like, I, I stress out, and I'm, like, pacing around the room trying to find it. Like, he's it's got, it's got the deep heat there. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like, oh, sorry. There <laughs> <Yeah>, it is. <laughs> I'm deciding it. Yeah.
0: This one here, mate, because getting to, like, 400 games is no mean feat, and playing from 17 to 42 is incredible. And, do you have any advice for the young guys like staying with the game because it's quite
1: hard when work, yep. life, family gets in the way? What's your advice yep. to them? Like everyone's got different motivation as to why they play. Like everyone's goal is to be an All Black and go on and be professional and and whatever. You. But you gotta yeah you get once you find your what you want to achieve and then just build towards that. Like I I knew. F- when I first started playing, that I just wanted to see records in the club. Like, like it was just something in, in the back of my mind. Like, I, I want to... It started off real small. Like, I wanted to win the top try score for the club for that year or the top point score or best under 23 or whatever. And then it just progressed from that. And then, you know, I got to 100 games. And, and there was there's a few guys that had, had played 100 games in the club. So it was, it was, a, it's a big deal. But yeah, as I went up 200, that was pretty unheard of. And then I was just, start, yeah, just keep setting the bar high. I'll go for 300 and then I'll, I'm close to 350. I'll go for that. And honestly, like about five, six years ago, I was pretty much ready to pack it in. Like I wasn't getting selected. I was making the bench. She was, leading new players, it was new for me because like, I'd started so many games, so yeah, that was quite a challenge to overcome because yeah, started 300-odd games and then all of a sudden I'm on the bench. But uh, at the same time, I understood that the yeah the young guys coming through, potential, because they need game time, that's how you learn. Best, best learned on the field. That's yeah. Low, isn't it? So I guess and, yeah, they need to just find what they want to achieve, whether it be a little like two, three-year plan or whatever, and then just work towards it and get out there and train, like, go down the park, and if you're a hooker, throw the ball, practice, if you're a goal kicker, practice. So it becomes second nature, Yeah, i will go. i will still goal kick now. I have it every year, there's a guy, I call him, his name's Ben Winus, actually, I called him Ben 10, because he was first five. He came in and he was, like, he was the same age as when I first started, so he was 17 fresh out of yeah. high school, Christchurch boys high. And yeah, showed real potential. So at the time, I had a groin injury. I handed it over to him for three or four years and then he got injured and I've come back to me. Full circle. And now um, I'm doing it every now and then. To my next one, so besides deep heat, what's your pre ritual? If I told you the actual truth, mm-hmm. you'd probably get in trouble, but mate, caffeine. Caffeine and cigarettes, believe it or not. <laughs>
0: Right, oh, yeah, and um, I, I can get run? like
1: quite anxious and nervous and and stuff like that before every game, and, and that means I'm up for it, which is good because you don't want to go into a game placid and. But it's a fine line between like overthinking things, and playing the game in your head before it actually happens. But yeah, mate, I'll just. I, I pretty I keep to it, so I just yeah, have a couple of coffees and sit out in my shed, mate, and have a couple of cigarettes and listen to music and just think about what's coming up. It's nothing special, like I don't eat. I can't eat before a game. I get that I guess nervous about it. I always used to throw up. Coffee in a dart is the secret, eh? It's the yeah, the heartland right. secret of New Zealand. <laughs> but it, it it seems it just calms me down a bit. Like I think now I reflect back on it and it's probably just adrenaline. Like, yeah, I'm all excited and it's, I can't wait to leave. Like, I, I always turn up to a game early. Now, hour and a half, two hours before a game, I'll be there usually before the, everyone. And the same with training. I hate being late and rushed. So I've just made a thing. If training starts at 6, I'm there at 5.30, you know, like it's, and it just, just becomes second nature and, and it works, so i just stuck at it. And keep doing it. That's cool, man. And that's great Ooh.
0: advice too for for pe- people preparing for games. Yep. And t- camaraderie in the club, mate, like I'd imagine it's quite tight, like, for you to stay around for f- nearly yeah. four hundred games. How, how yep. was it at Fielding Yellows?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty good a eh? like around here in the Manor T was I think we're one of I think three clubs at the moment that actually have our own club rooms. So that's yeah, something to be proud of yeah. Like growing up, my father obviously played for Prezies and that and so we were always down there and there's like a whole generation of us that grew up running around outside causing havoc really. We're playing massive games of rugby down on the field in the dark and ball rush and all that kind of thing. And then yeah, we all our fathers played together and then we played Saturday morning rugby together and we just all progressed together through through those grades. Yeah, And yeah, uh, we're just, You make a lot of lifelong friends. And yeah, like the bar staff, they're they're pretty lenient on what goes on. Yeah, like, I can say I've seen it all. Yeah, Um, I'd imagine you would. Yeah. We've got a couple of few um, traditions that help with that camaraderie. Like, we've got a blazer club. That's for guys that play 35 games for senior A's, which takes quite a long time there. So uh, every home game we have after the speeches and the meal, call it the pork club. So all the Blazer Boys, so we all gather around the, the same table, and then we all just have a um, half a glass of port. There might be a new inductee or a life member that's there at the time. We get to have a bit of a let them have a bit of a talk, and then we pose a toast and chop chop the port, and then that's it. That's cool. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good little tradition, right? Like,
0: yeah, like I I remember this, a few traditions back at the old club back in the day,
1: but that's a cool one. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we've also got the we started it, the whiskey club, uh, hundred games or more. Yeah, so yep. I struggle because like I do the whiskey club with the for the hundred games, and then I do another one, yeah, for the three hundred, and then another one, and by then I'm usually trying to get people to come and join me because it's a bit boring.
0: I was going to say like, what happens with the four hundred club? It's got to be some sort oh. kind of like next next level, th- aged. 45
1: year old whiskey or something like that. Uh, hopefully like, yeah, but the special thing actually about the whiskey club as well, that like every year or every, it depends, like everyone moves around and not everyone comes to it now, but at one stage there's a good 10 of us and uh, we were chopping through these bottles of whiskey pretty fast, eh? so we all had turns at buying bottles and even chip in and we'd get some pretty decent drop. Yes. But yeah, it goes pretty quick as well.
0: Last question, mate. Just reflecting on your career in general with the gotcha. Fielding Yellows. like with your milestone of reaching those games and, and that age whiskey at, at the end of it? Mm. Are you going to carry on, mate? Are you going to go for playing until you're
1: 50 or are you going oh, to take it as year as it comes? Yeah, I think I'm at the age now where right? because you just never know what's going to happen. Anyone that takes the rugby shield is always one injury away from never playing again. That, that's the worst thing. You know, I don't think of it like that, but it's, it's a reality. Yeah, like I was actually lucky to play this year because I ended up playing every game. But in the pre season, we're playing Central Hawks Bay, I think it was. And um, I went to tackle a guy and I hit his elbow by my ear and I, I ruptured my eardrum. Oh, shit. <laughs> like I couldn't hear. That was bizarre i have never done anything like that. I didn't know what was going on. I come off because I knew something was not right. And I said to the physio, was like, listen to this. You can, like I was blowing like an altitude and you need to pop your ears. I was doing that, but I could hear, like, the air coming out of my ear? And I was like, that's not right. I went to the doctor and I said, yeah, mate, nah, you ruptured the eardrum. Well, you've got a hole in the eardrum. You're looking at, probably three months recovery. And if it doesn't come right after a month, you'll need surgery. And I, was oh, like, oh, and I thought, oh, well, that's my season done. So I had two weeks off, mate, it literally come right overnight. And then I we managed. Like, we like, not going back to that doctor. <laughs> and no, it was, yeah, it was bizarre. But that was for the first time that my God, I'd actually conceded within myself that, okay, like my health and safety is probably Priority Apparently.
0: over overplay, yeah. It's it's a hard thing to try and go, yeah, to try and go, okay, yeah, I I am vulnerable eh, with those yeah. injuries, and
1: yeah, yeah. but yeah, like I said, uh, it turned out I managed to play every competition game, not every I didn't play every minute. You know, there are some games where I come off the bench, other games I started a couple of games. I think one of them was my birthday actually and I had to play the whole game and that was different because it's like, yeah, it's just pretty tough on the lungs.
0: I could imagine it's become a little bit tighter in there with the breathing around the old lungs.
1: I think, I think being like a winger helps a lot. It's like, you can just come in and out of the game really. Like you're not always involved. So I may just recovering from a, de- a decent run or something or covering tackle or something and I'm like, they call a move, and if I know it's coming my way, I'm like, None, cancel that. Do <laughs> this one Just give me a minute to recover me. Break the deep ones in. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. You just suck it in. Yeah. Like, another does yeah, a couple of minutes and it'll, it'll come right. But, I can't do, like, a couple of 50-meter runs back-to-back. I back like I needed a little bit of a race in between. Yeah. And fullback's harder because you're constantly moving.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, I, like I can I, imagine. Like, yeah. just thinking of being an old Ford myself, I get the heebie-jeebies thinking of, like, even getting near to 100 games for me, I'll, I'll just get the jeebies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, mate. It's great effort and a, a, you know, a great career that you've... Yeah. Yeah, but you're still going strong.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, mate. Proud of you for that,
0: But You're good.
1: Yeah, I guess like I just, yeah, I love rugby. Always have. Lo- love everything about it. The game itself, the game within the game, the mental game, the challenges you face on and off the field through really coming back from injuries, stuff like that, maintaining form, consistency. Yeah, I just love everything about it. The game day prep, the feeling you get when you run out on the field. Like, I think that's probably going to be one of the hardest things when I do stop is trying to, I guess, find something to replace that. Yeah, just run out behind them. Be the boy. Oh, boy. Mate. Well, okay. yeah, know, the last two years I've been um, assistant coach as well. Well, last year and this year. So that's changed a bit of my focus. And Either way, I just want to be involved and do what, you know, Couple the new great. generation coming through, mate. It's great, mate. Create more fielding yellow All Blacks, eh? Yeah, well, yeah. There's not just fielding yellows, but the, the high school ways. Yeah, it's a good program there. And they're pumping out the, the new generation that's coming through. It's pretty good. Mate, it's good to hear
0: because you you hear of numbers dwindling and things like that, mm. and then yeah, yeah, you, then you're doing something special there, especially with Manawatu being the great breeding ground for superstars
1: like it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the, the hardest thing is actually keeping them here. And it doesn't help that the turbo's underperform and players just go to other problems. And mate, in the day, it's a business and it's a career and they're getting paid for it. Yeah, if, if money's better elsewhere or better situation for them, you can't hold that against them. I think people rely on loyalty too much now, but it's professional era. Yeah, that, it's gone of the days where... Because
0: technology now just opens up so many doors for people to have a look at videos, look at what mm-hmm. players are doing, where they're going. Yeah, that's the thing, don't they? Yeah, yep. well, that's. That's all we've got time for today, Brad. So right. thanks so much for joining us, mate. I'm really rapt to be t- really rapt to have have a chat with you about reaching yes. this awesome milestone, and you've had a great career and long, it Continue.
1: Yeah, mate. No, thanks for that, mate. Eh? Merry Christmas, and uh, thanks for having me, man.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to give us a follow and rate our show. We welcome your comments and feedbacks for our podcast on our Instagram page, where's underscore my underscore sports underscore at underscore podcast. You can now also enjoy our podcast on YouTube. Cheers.